Amen to that. If that uh, you can tell they enjoy that song, can't you? <laughs> All right, good job. I want to bring a message to you that's entitled, Out on a Limb. Think about this statement. To reach the fruit of the tree, you must go out on a limb. To reach the fruit of the tree, you must go out on a limb. And so in thinking about this message this morning, there was a few things that took place, not only with the character of Zacchaeus and Jesus, but there were the surrounding crowds around them that took notice of what took place in conversation between the master and the sinner. And yet, the joy of this message is that we identify because we are the sinners. And we identify with the fact that we have one master. And Jesus is there to take care of the needs of our life. And one of them specifically is to clean up the cobwebs, to deal with the spiders that are in our life so that we are a people every day, fresh, bent on righteousness and focused on his holiness. And Zacchaeus went into a meeting in conversation with Jesus focused upon his unrighteousness. And at the end of that conversation, he saw the holiness of who Jesus is. And so this message is about out on a limb. In order to get to the fruit, you got to go out on the limb. And so today, some of you may be called to go out on a limb. And to get to the fruit and the meat of the matter in dealing with your own life as Jesus loves you, cares for you, and wants to make a change. And so in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, it begins, he entered Jericho, Jesus did. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man by the name of Zacchaeus, I love Zac, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see Jesus, and he goes on to say he was trying to see who Jesus was but was not able because of the crowd, since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up in a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, because today I must stay at your house. So he quickly came down, welcomed him joyfully, all who saw it began to complain. He's gone to lodge with a sinful man. Man, I am so thankful that he lodges with sinful people. <laughs> but Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today, Jesus says, today... Salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is the son of Abraham, for the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. You know, there's, there's a lot to unpack in this story. I love this story of Zacchaeus because I see us all climbing the sycamore tree and knocking each other out of the tree, trying to get to the end of the limb so that we could find the fruit and the meat of the matter, and that being Jesus but yet at the same time excited that we can overbear, you know, overburden the tree at the same time that all of us are in it 
trying to get a glimpse of Jesus and we hear the crack of the limbs. And I understand it. I love this story. I love it because of the fact of what took place, how it occurred, and what Jesus did with a man by the name of Zacchaeus. As Jesus was passing through Jericho, he met a man named Zacchaeus. You know, this doesn't, it doesn't imply that Jesus ever met him before. We, we can safely assume that the eyes of the two have never met. And the fact that Zacchaeus really didn't know other than the rumors that this was Jesus. This is the miracle worker. This is the guy that's changing people's lives. This is the one coming into town that the crowds are following. There's something about this person that's different than any other person that he ever heard about on the face of the earth. And Zacchaeus wants to know what, what's so unique about Jesus. And so the interesting story of the Gospels is the tremendous application that it has to the majority of people who read this story. Scottish pastor and scholar of biblical biographies, George Matheson, described the paradox of this story as uniquely common. Zacchaeus is spectacular because he's not like other characters who encountered Christ. He was not called to be a disciple from this encounter, nor was Zacchaeus suffering from any affliction that he needed healing from. What makes Zacchaeus special is that he is just an average human being. Take note. Let's look at three aspects of the story of what Jesus is invested in. And we look at it based on what he's invested in Zacchaeus' life. First of all, Jesus is invested into Zacchaeus' as well as our personal identity. Jesus is invested in the person you are. There's nothing about you that causes Jesus to turn away. There's nothing about you that causes Jesus to have to take a second look. There's nothing about you that's going to grab Jesus' attention over and above anyone else. Why? Because we're just average people and that we all have the same needs. Some are higher at times because of the needs that are there, but when it all comes down to it, we're all in need of Jesus. We're all in need of the Savior. We're all in need of His presence and His power and His authority in and through our life. Jesus met Zacchaeus while passing through town. Maybe you met Jesus the same way. Not that He was passing through your town, but you were passing by and He got your attention while in town in your life. Zacchaeus was short in stature. We know that about his physical identity. People recognized him by size. People could say, oh, here comes the short tax collector. Here comes the guy that's going to knock on my door, and if I had a people, I won't be able to see him. He's so short. <laughs> Maybe you know some people who are identified by their identity, their, their qualities. You know, we make judgments about people that are tall. We make judgments about people who are short. We make judgments about people who have, have extra weight upon them. You notice I said that gentle. And, uh, and we notice people who are very, very thin. We notice people who are pretty. And we notice people who still have some challenges. Again, you know. <laughs> we, we, we recognize people who are rich. We recognize people who are poor. So the sad reality in our Western culture is that we assign value to a person 
based on the physical appearance. But Jesus is not basing his value in Zacchaeus' life on his identity physically. It's about the personal identity that Jesus saw in Zacchaeus' life that grabbed his attention and, of course, grabbed Zacchaeus' attention. But this is the exciting part of the story. And I've never thought of this. There's a couple things that, that, that came alive to me in studying this scripture. First of all, Jesus calls him by name. Zacchaeus does not call Jesus by name. In all of the occurrences in Scripture, you'll find people reaching out, Son of David, have mercy on me. The blind beggar, Son of David, he calls out to Jesus, have mercy on me. The woman, the issue of bleeding, calls out to Jesus and tries to get his attention. And if she couldn't get his attention, she touches the hem of his garment and she feels the power. Over and over and over again, it's people crying out to Jesus. But in this encounter, Jesus cries out to Zacchaeus and calls him by name. Wow! Now, there is no evidence that says that Jesus knew Zacchaeus before coming under the sycamore tree. There is no evidence in Scripture that Zacchaeus knew Jesus before Jesus stopped at the very appointed spot of his life and looked up to Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, get out of the tree. Come on down because I've got some great news for you today. But Jesus cries out to Zacchaeus, calls him by name, and it illustrates how relational Jesus is with every person. God knows our name. Did you realize in the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verse 25, it says that God desires His face to shine upon you. God desires His face to shine upon you. And so when Jesus cries out to Zacchaeus, He's saying to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, make haste. In other words, get out of the tree. Come on down. Make it as quickly as possible because I've got good news for you today. Not only am I going home with you, I am going to grant to you salvation this day. And he says to Zacchaeus, he says, I want the reflection of who I am to live in you and I want your face to, to display it. I want to shine through you. So when Jesus cries out Zacchaeus' name, He's transplanting within Zacchaeus a new shining moment that's going to radiate Jesus wherever Zacchaeus goes. It's a beautiful understanding and a beautiful description of someone who shines forth for Jesus. Have you ever walked up to someone and their face lights up and they're glad to see you? You know that they're glad to see you, not surprised, but they're genuinely glad to see you, and their face shines. That's what God desires. In Numbers chapter 6, verse 25, He desires His face to shine upon you so that when people approach you, they see through your identity, not your statue, not your qualities, not the things that you're challenged with or not. He's, that's not what we're looking at. We're looking at the, the identity of Jesus coming through. I remember when my three children were small and being in some of the traditional settings, 
and I still do it today, but not in the greatest sense that I used to. I used to stand at the door and, and greet everyone. It almost was, the, it was the, the second most important thing that I thought I did in my life was to stand at the door and shake everybody's hand and have some type of personal conversation with everyone, which I do that today, but not in the um, understanding that I do today. But I remember so often is that the children were, our children were the last to, to leave the church uh, because we were, you know, doing our thing, Renee and I were. And so a lot of times when they were small, the children would come running down the aisle, grab me, hug me by my leg, you know, and they were real toddlers. And that's, that's the first thing they wanted. They, they were excited to, to be released from the prison of the nursery and, <laughs> and find some freedom through an aisle of a big sanctuary. And they would, you know, it's almost like seeing daddy and mommy's eyes. Their face lights up. They're, they're glad to see us, and they run for the hug. Well, you learn to appreciate those shining faces in our life because when they become teenagers, they don't run down the aisle anymore <laughs> looking for a hug. God is looking for us. He is waiting for us to turn to Him so that He can shower His love upon our soul. That's the whole story of Zacchaeus. We could really conclude it and go home and go on out to dinner. That's the message. But yet, you have to take that message and ask the question, is Jesus standing under my sycamore tree right now? Am I trying to find the fruit in the tree where I'm missing the meat at the base? And so you and I have to determine what's needed for our soul. Jesus called Zacchaeus by name. He made eye contact. And he made him, he spoke to him as a, as a man face to face. Jesus communicated to Zacchaeus that he was glad to see him. There was nothing that was threatening about Zacchaeus because Jesus knew that he was going to change his life. And this, was, this is not an interpretation in the Messiah's schedule, nor is it an interruption in his life nor is it anything else you can describe. It's the fact that Jesus came into town looking for Zacchaeus. I firmly believe, there may be a question that maybe I'll have answered one day or I'll just, I'll, I'll, I will not. The whole time, I think Jesus, the only reason he came into town was for Zacchaeus. There was an appointed moment that God had designed to, to shatter Zacchaeus's life. And that appointed time was for Jesus and Zacchaeus to meet. If not, why would Jesus have cried out to Zacchaeus? He was coming there to offer to Zacchaeus a change of life, a directive for his soul, a happiness for his life, a shining moment that would come upon him and be displayed for the rest of his life. And so we find Zacchaeus climbed a tree to get a look at Jesus, but he also wanted Jesus to look at him. The Savior looked. Thanks be unto God that the Savior looked, and he's still looking to show that same love to every one of those children who are waiting to be greeted Zacchaeus was the tax collector. Perhaps you know him 
as the elected official working for the Romans. Yet at the same time, you may know the people in your life who are football coach, a teacher, a doctor, a dentist, a co-worker, someone who works at the grocery store, someone who's in sales, someone who's, who's receiving your payment at the electrical office or the water department. You know them by the identity of where they are, not by the identity of who they are. Jesus knew Zacchaeus not by the identity of what he was, but he knew him for who he is. And I wonder, when was the last time someone said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, how's your mom doing? <laughs> or I heard she was in the hospital. Is she okay? I wonder if, if, if he hears someone say to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, I understand your niece is sick and, and she's crippled. How's she doing? You know, of course, this is hearsay. But you know there's more to Zacchaeus' life than him living in a sycamore tree. There's more to Zacchaeus' life than him knocking on everybody's door trying to get their money. There's more to Zacchaeus. He has a life, and he's a real person. And Z Jesus is getting ready to invade the real person. I'm, I, of course, understanding this, working as a tax collector could be very lucrative, but it also could be very threatening. And so here he was in an uncertainty, living his life, trying to make a living, and yet he's not well received by every knock at the door. Everyone in town hates you when you're coming to get money and yet you feel as if you don't deserve, to, you don't feel like you need to give it. It's not deserved, and especially if it's more than what's being asked of you. So it's a constant stress of working for the Romans. And if you don't do a good job, the Romans have a reputation that they, they kill you. They, just, they don't just say, okay, you're fired. They don't give you a pink slip and say, go home. They kill you. So that's a lot of stress. And so while others saw a tax collector, Jesus saw a lost man who needed more in his life than what he even knew that he needed. And he sought to build a relationship under, under a sycamore tree that was going to change Zacchaeus' life. And he said, Zacchaeus... I want to go home with you. I want to go eat with you. I want to meet your family. I want to talk about your mama. I want to talk about your children. I want to talk about the person you are. I don't care how you look. I don't care how you smell. And I don't care what you do. I want to know more about Zacchaeus. And I want you to know more about me. So Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree. Skip a few branches. Knock your head. I'll heal it if you get, get to bleeding. Come on down. So Jesus is invested in Zacchaeus' personal identity. Second of all, Jesus is invested in our spiritual curiosity. If that wasn't the case, Jesus would have ran from, run from us a long time ago because it starts with some curiosity. It starts with, okay, there's something more to life than what I've come to conclude so far. And we begin to become spiritually you know, curious about things related to Jesus. And that's where it begins. And so Zacchaeus is pretty, pretty curious about what this Jesus is about. If he wasn't, then he'd have never climbed the tree. It wasn't just so that he could see. It was so that he could really see. 
He wanted to see beyond what people were seeing. And, and because he was short, he climbed up in the tree to get the massive view of Jesus. Most of the characters in the Bible experience a call from Christ either as a personal invitation or through some public preaching of, of Jesus. Others sought Jesus because of some affliction. Zacchaeus was different. He was successful, a successful businessman. He had worked hard to move up his successful ladder, and he earned the title of chief. He was wealthy, and the text seems to indicate that Zacchaeus operated his business with integrity. You hear me? The text indicates that Zacchaeus operated his business with integrity. I have all, all my years, I have interpreted that Zacchaeus was a stingy ripoff of people's lives because he was a tax collector. The scriptures does not interpret it that way. I apologize for interpreting it for the last 30 years of my preaching. Zacchaeus does not appear to have any observable need but the fact that he was curious about Jesus. Notice what he said. If, if I have cheated. We often assume that he was corrupt just as we say all politicians are corrupted, all lawyers are liars, and all preachers are concerned about money. We make those conclusions, which are false. Zacchaeus is a man of integrity. He first of all says, when Jesus gets hold of his heart, he says, I'm going to give what I have. I'm going to give lucrative back to the people that I serve. I'm going to help them. And if I have, for any reason, taken more than I should have, if I calculated wrong, then I'm going to give them back four times whatever I took. He's not admitting that he's been dishonest. He's saying that because of who you are, I want to bless others in my life. You see, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 10, it says this, God has set eternity in our hearts. You remember now, Jesus is concerned about our spiritual curiosity to the point that he wants that curiosity to turn into belief and life and involves every bit of who we are. Ecclesiastes 3 says it is God's desire that he sets eternity in our heart. The greatest desire on the face of the earth is not what our politicians are doing in Washington. It is not about what these prophetic utterances are that's claiming doom and gloom. That is not the priority. The priority of God is what the scriptures say, that it is God's desire that all mankind come to know him. That's his concern. That's our job. Our job is not to fight for our rights. Our job is not to, to, to picket the fences. Our job is to get out into the world and to go to the sycamore trees of people's lives and call their name for who they are and tell them that I have a message for you that can change your life for the rest of your life because it is God's desire, it is my Abba Father's desire that you be saved. And I'm going to answer the call and I'm going to be the voice of God to you and let you know that salvation is yours today if you will let it go home with you. That's the job of us Christians. Now, there comes a time that it will be necessary to make our voice heard in politics. 
It will be necessary to make our voices heard on the picket lines. It will be necessary to make our voices heard in different delicate issues of the life. But if we lose the focus and we focus on the doom and gloom and we get away from the total purpose of what God has done, then we've lost the sight of God's desire. And it is God's desire that he sets eternity in the heart of mankind. And so what Jesus is doing, he's rubbing his hands together and he's smiling on the inside and he says, Zacchaeus, come down from this tree because the father of the created world and the father who knows your name and every hair that's numbered on your head, everything about you, Abba Father knows and come down from that tree because when you put your feet on the ground, eternity's entering your heart. That's beautiful. He cries out to Zacchaeus because he knows God's desire. He knows the desire is that to set eternity in the heart of Zacchaeus. God has placed in the soul of every human being a desire to connect to the Creator. Some fight it, some ignore it, some deny it. But the Scripture is clear. Human beings are spiritual beings. We're all curious about the spiritual afterlife. We're all curious about spiritual things. No amount of worldly success and no amount of possessions can satisfy the deepest longing of the soul. And that deepest longing is to know God. In application, we must make as a church and individual followers of Christ is to keep that need at the forefront of all we do. Lost people don't need music, they don't need wisdom, they don't need nice facilities, and they don't need great sermons. They need Jesus. Music, facilities, and sermons can be wonderful tools, but it all goes back down to Jesus. You may recall the song years ago, People Need the Lord, written by Steve Green. And he asked the question in the song, when will we realize that people need the Lord? Zacchaeus needed Jesus, and so does a lost and dying world. And following what Jesus invested in, he was invested in Zacchaeus' personal identity as he's invested in you, in me. He's invested in our spiritual curiosity. And number three, he is invested in our supernatural destiny. Did you realize that, that when Zacchaeus came down and took Jesus home with him, that he no longer was bent for hell, he was now guided towards heaven? You, know, you realize that no longer is the devil the God of Zacchaeus' life, but Jesus is Lord of his life. Something amazing happened. A supernatural occurrence happened. A metamorphosis took place. And it was a mind-reorienting, character-transplanting, liberating experience that changed Zacchaeus' life for the rest of his life. And his spiritual destiny was changed. All because Jesus was invested in who Zacchaeus was. We have examined Zacchaeus' physical identity. You can go further with it. You can look greater and create some types of scenarios of all about his curiosity. But you can't overlook his supernatural destiny. A person's destiny 
is more than the end result or achieving a goal. Destiny is the driving force that shapes and defines a person's life. And so the story of Zacchaeus concludes with his life being distinctly different after meeting Jesus. Because Jesus made the bold statement, salvation has come to your house. Zach got saved. <laughs> he was born again. And we must be careful to understand that Zacchaeus did not purchase his salvation by giving money to the poor. His actions that happened after salvation was the result of a transformed encounter with the living Lord. And after experiencing the love of Christ, he became more concerned about others than splurging upon his selfish desires. Another in interesting part of the story is that, that Zach didn't change jobs either. He was a tax collector before he met Christ, and he continued collecting taxes after Christ. His job was the same, but his destiny was different. He now used his job as an opportunity to give glory to God. I wonder what happened on the first, first person who opened the door when he went to collect taxes. Ma'am, thank you for opening the door. Unfortunately, I have to tell you it is time to collect the taxes, but you know what? I've got to tell you about something that happened to me two weeks ago. I climbed up in a tree, and I, I, was, I knew that there was something different about this man coming into town. You may have heard about the crowd. You know, it, it kind of clogged up the city square. And, you know, and what, what was amazing is I was at the center of this crowd. And this man came to live inside my life. He's changed me. I know Jesus now. I'm a new person I look, can I pray with you? Can I, is there any need that you have in your life that I can help you with? Is there some financial need that I can... Ma'am, if you can't afford to pay your taxes, I'll pay them for you. Can you imagine how Zacchaeus responded after he met Christ? Of course, we don't know these answers for sure, but we do know from the evidence of people in your life and my life who is a changed person, and because of Jesus being real in their life, they have different, different responses there are different people. No longer are they hating people, they're loving them. No longer are they avoiding people, they're wanting to get involved in their life. That's what happens when the supernatural destiny is changed inside that person. He used his job as an opportunity to glorify God. And you do not have to become a vocational minister like I've done to follow Jesus with all your heart. In fact, the most effective priests in the world are those who, who live in the world who are a part of the world but transformed by the renewing of their minds, they are different than the world, but they're of the world, making a difference as a missionary right where they are. The school teachers, the doctors, the lawyers, the people who work at the grocery store, everywhere you go, the people who collect your garbage early in the morning, those are the real priests in the world that make a difference. They use their occupation as an opportunity to spread the love of Jesus. The kingdom of God needs Christ followers in the marketplace shining the gospel of Christ and reflecting the face of God to their world. Zacchaeus' destiny included his salvation, his vocation, and his determination, which serves as a legacy of inspiration to all who hear this story and understand the impact of this story. He overcame the obstacles to knowing Jesus until Jesus encountered him and he encountered Jesus. Zacchaeus 
had physical limitations. He was short. His peers criticized him. The crowds blocked his access to Jesus as crowds seemed to do. And he climbed the tree and Jesus came to where Zacchaeus was and identified with him and knew that Zacchaeus was curious about some things. And Jesus knew his destiny needed to be changed. Sometimes the offensive actions of others stand in the way of the gospel. It's a painful recognition in our own life. Some people struggle because they're overlooked and they don't feel loved or they feel ignored. They feel invisible, wondering, does anyone really care about me? Zacchaeus was financially successful, which the Bible says makes it difficult for one to see their need for Christ. Hard for the camel to go through the eye of the needle. A rich man, or easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Even with all these obstacles, Zacchaeus could not ignore the longing of his soul. And it drove him to get out on the limb so that he could find the fruit. It drove him to Jesus. Perhaps you too understand Zacchaeus greater than what people claim you to understand him. Salvation he received is the same salvation that anyone can receive. The same change of destiny and change of life is the same offer today as it was in Zacchaeus' life. Follow his example, but not allowing anything to pre prevent you from receiving what God has for you. So what are you in need of today? And what do you need to request of God? What are you in need of today? And what do you need to request of God? Well, the great news is, as the story of Zacchaeus teaches us, God already knows what you need. He's just waiting for us to get out of the tree and fall down in his feet. And by the actions of Zacchaeus, we know that he cried out to Jesus or he had never been in the tree. But we also know the actions of Jesus is he was crying out to Zacchaeus because he loved him so. And it's his greatest desire that eternity be planted inside human heart. And he didn't want to miss Zacchaeus' new implant that was getting ready to happen. Transformation is the result of that story. Openness to Jesus is the powerful key to that transformation. The love of God for human, humankind, as sinful as we are, is still there. So what do you need of God today? And what do you need to request of Him? You're not going to shock Him. It is not going to blow Him out of the water. There's nothing you can tell Him that's on your mind that's going to cause God to turn a deaf ear. In fact, he already knows it before you say it. He just wants you to admit it. And he can handle it. And the good thing is, he can handle all our requests at the same time. It's not going to overburden him. There's not going to be a busy signal. You're not going to get the, the, the recorded message, I'm sorry. Uh, the lines are busy. Call back later. 
No, you're going to grab the attention of God when you say, Abba, Father, this is my need. I confess it to you, and this is what I need in my life. I promise you, as long as it's in the desires of God, he's going to give it to you. Now, you can have some requests that are way out there, and I've had them too, but they may not be of God. But when they're in line with what he wants for your life, they'll be met. Timetable is up to him. Transformation is up to him. He just wants us to get out of the tree, come down, face him, face to face, and watch him shine his self through you. Thanks be unto God for who he is. Thanks be unto God for what we can tell him. And thanks be unto God for the patience that he has to receive it. And thanks be unto God for the power to grant us those requests. Father God, we thank you that you give us the realization, the comfort and the joy of knowing that you can provide every need of our life. And when it comes to the spiritual dimension of our life, you already know everything about us. There's nothing in our life that is beyond your repair, and there's nothing in our life that is beyond your capabilities. We ask for the empowerment upon each of us, the power of your Holy Spirit, working the inward crevices of our life to transform us into that beautiful butterfly shining for you, flying and soaring high, as high as the eagles, that represents the heaven in which we are, are a part of, longing for, and have been transformed by. Father, thank you for listening. Thank you for hearing. And thank you for listening to our cries as we cry out to Jesus this day and asking for the newness to happen. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. My friend, we want to stand together, sing. It's a song that's kind of contemporary, I know, but it's a song that's, that I, you've probably heard on the radio. You've heard this gathering gang sing from time to time. Let's cry out to Jesus. And we're going to let this be our invitation. And whatever your need is, uh, give it to God today. Let's stand together.
Jesus. 